Hey, g'day gentlemen. So, new development, the Chief of Defence Force, General Angus Campbell, has been extended by another two years. So his tenure was due up uh, within this month or by the end of the financial year at least. I personally thought he was going to get the sack after he stood up and delivered the Brereton uh, Inquiry report in November 2020, where he stood up as the general, as the Chief of Defence Force, uh, in front of the media, in front of the nation, uh, and said that he wanted to remove the honours and awards from over 3,000 special operations personnel without any charges being laid, without the inquiry actually progressing to an investigation, uh, which included um, 20 uh, dead soldiers from the Special Operations Task Group who'd been awarded that meritorious unit citation. This is a guy who basically stood up there and inflicted the biggest hit on the morale to our defence force that I've ever seen in my service life, while at the same time saying he wanted to remove these honours and awards without anyone being charged, anyone being found guilty standing up there with his distinguished service cross that he received for, quote, command and leadership in action while being based in Dubai as the commander of the deployed task force. Now, for me, as an officer, let alone as a human being, like it goes against absolutely everything that I've ever been taught. And I spoke out, Voices of a Veteran raised a petition to retain the unit citations. People like Bob Cutter and others spoke out about how this man should be sacked. And now we have a change of government and the first thing that the new government has done is to keep him in for two years. Now, the key part as well is once he released that Burton report, there was a spike in veteran suicides and in veterans reaching out, having mental health concerns and issues, and also this moral injury and moral trauma that was so visceral from so many veterans calling myself and others up within the organisation we had talking about how betrayed they felt. I could go on speaking about this for hours, but Andy, I want to hear your reaction to the announcement that General Campbell is going to remain on another two years, getting paid over a million dollars a year as our Chief of Defence Force. I'm disgusted by it. I'm, I was, uh, I've been waiting for his resignation for over 12 months. Uh, he still hasn't apologised to the veteran and defence community for his actions, willing to strip these people of their honours and awards without trial absolutely no adherence to the rule of law. He's supposed to be the person that's standing up in front and representing all defence. So he is the guard, the guard of honour. He's the person that's supposed to stand there and have our backs. I felt totally betrayed, as did many, many members of our veteran and current serving community. Um, I really thought he should have resigned, fallen on his sword. Instead, uh, the government's now given him a, a, effectively a promotion and stuck him in the job for even longer. I think he's the worst Chief of Defence Force this nation's ever had. It's absolutely abysmal what he's done. He's tarnished the reputation of the Australian Defence Force. Um, I think we did see a spike in suicide and mental health issues within the serving and uh, veteran community as a direct result of his actions. I'd also like to see, and I don't know what they are, but I reckon you'd see a massive decline in people signing up to actually become a member of the Australian Defence Force, knowing that the commander of that Defence Force doesn't have your back and is willing to throw you under the bus any chance he can get. The reality is he's a politician and a very poor one at that because he's certainly not a leader and I believe he should resign and we have so many amazing uh, people that could step in his place and take over. You know, looking at what the government's saying, why they're doing it, this is a critical time for Australian defence. 
Uh, we need continuity. Well, I tell you what we need, we need real leadership. We do not need poor leadership or abysmal leadership that is uh, willing to throw our serving members under the bus for political gain. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll jump on that point about retention uh, within our defence force. You know, we heard prior to the election, the government wants to grow our defence force to the largest it's ever been back to the Vietnam uh, War days. And I was in the media talking about the rate of exodus from our current serving defence force and how many young and older veterans I've spoken with who are disgusted by that betrayal, feeling like they do not have uh, the support of someone who's so willing to appease the political and media narrative as opposed to demonstrating leadership first and foremost and also being responsible as the officer in charge is the one ultimately responsible that doesn't stand up and abdicate or delegate that blame to others again without it actually being proven outside of a, an inquiry and as you guys know i could speak about the Burton inquiry until the cows come home and look forward to, to more uh, of that being exposed mm. what are your insights on this chris i think it's a um a byproduct of where we're at at the moment like as soon as albo got in the veterans affairs got chucked on the back bench now the same chief who i'm no doubt if you looked into it has got terrible uh, retention with his people amongst whilst also having one of the biggest you know the Burton report being coming out i think it sort of stems from most of these public positions now which are more political rather than anything else so your chief health medical officer you Chief, chief of police force, your chief of the defence force, all of it is selected by a politician, not by the people. So I really yeah. feel like we're losing a fair bit of our democratic process when you literally select one person who is in charge of your suburb and then all your other decisions are made off that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really key point there, Chris. You know, it's been really hard for the veteran community to swallow all of this rubbish that's been coming out since, you know, the Labor Party's been elected. Shane Newman, who I've been working with behind the scenes on a number of veteran issues as the Shadow Veterans Affairs Minister, immediately replaced the Shadow Defence Minister, who was Brendan O'Connor throughout the last three years, immediately replaced as well. These are the two gentlemen who had their names with the now Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, on all of their defence and veterans policy and media release statements during the election leading up to the election. And there is zero continuity within that portfolio at a time when leading into the election, we have veterans who have home services and critical services not being paid and being suspended. We just this last week had Minister G, uh, former Minister G, former Minister Chester, two former Veterans Affairs Ministers present to the Royal Commission where they talked about there is zero handover between physical ministers. It's conducted by the Department of Veterans Affairs. We have a Royal Commission into Defence and Veterans Suicide that includes a spike in suicide and mental health over the last two years from the abysmal handling of the Burton Report, the collapse of Afghanistan and all of these continual failings through the department. And now the government decides that its uh, continuity will be to keep on the Chief of the Defence Force for another two years, who if you did 360-degree reporting within the Defence Force of the rank of sergeant and below or major and below we all know how that result would be but as you said chris it's sort of stuck up in this ivory tower sort of syndrome where it's a bunch of yes minister yes men and women around these sort of you know big boy big girl decisions with these big pay packets uh, at a time where uh, we are at our most vulnerable we are at our most destabilized and it's just so hard to again swallow this trash that's coming out um, to be called continuity 
where there's actually amazing chances to revitalize morale, bring in fresh blood, demonstrate accountability. Uh, and instead, I really think we've missed a big opportunity. And the runs on the board currently show a move away from valuing and supporting defense and veterans, particularly veterans, as you said, Andy, with the Veterans Affairs portfolio now even being removed from cabinet. I'm sort of stuck in the position of going, you know, we almost need to sit back and watch what happens because this is the government that the Australian people have elected uh, and do they need to, you know, see the result, not to failure, perhaps, you know, we'll be sitting here eating our words as they come through with some amazing reformations and changes that are somewhere hidden in the back of the playbook. But what are your thoughts, Andy? You know, you were just talking about the fall of Afghanistan and I was kind of just going back there in my head and, and how that made me feel during that period. And, and some of the things that we've gone through over the past few years as a veteran community, it's been tough, man. It's been a really tough time. I work in the, the mental health space supporting veterans and first responders and um, the suffering that's been going on has has been very deep. You know, when... When Afghanistan fell, and I understand our government had little control over what was occurring, but there was I was waiting for someone like the Chief of Defence Force to stand up and unite us and say, hey, you know, be proud of our service. This is not a stain on your reputation, your unit, your comrades. I didn't hear that. I never got that. I, I really felt isolated on it. And I know it really took, had the potential of taking me to a much darker place. And I, I know it did take a lot of veterans to a pretty dark place and ultimately cost lives over that period. Again, just total lack of leadership from the top. There was no one sort of standing up to say, hey, guys, we recognise this has happened. However, here are the things that we need to focus on, the positives of our service, why we served, what we did there. Instead, we were you know, very much like the the Vietnam era veterans with the fall of Saigon. It was just like, yeah. oh, well, I guess that happened. Let's not talk about it and move on. And in the meantime, we got the Brereton Report. You got the ABC absolutely trying to smash and destroy the reputation of the Australian Defence Force and our, our Special First Forces community. You've got the Royal Commission uh, into veteran and defence suicide. I mean, it's just been a trifecta of chaos. Now, yeah. with the latest election, again, veterans just ignored, you know, pushed to the backbench. You're, you're not important to this government. And that is the message that I'm getting from Canberra. They don't, they don't care, mate. They don't give a stuff about our veteran community and the problems that are occurring here. And that's unfortunate. And unfortunately, we need to look after each other ourselves and and that's what we do as a community we've got a lot of history in doing that and yep. i for one don't rely on my government you know I, i've learned that years ago don't rely on the government for support get out there and help yourself and help your mates and uh, i think it's really unfortunate that our our government puts us in a position as a community where we need to do that we need to look after ourselves, but that will continue to happen and we will support one another and we will look after our community, but the government really needs to wake up and this goes back to that identity piece. There is a, an amazing group of individuals in this country that chose to serve, whether it was in the Army, the Navy or the Air Force. They signed a piece of paper that agreed to serving at, up to the cost of their lives if necessary. Um, that needs to be recognised and we do that on Anzac Day and we do that well 
but it needs to be recognised across the uh, nation by all the people and uh, as a part of our identity of who we are. We are a country of people who care about our nation. We have some wonderful things that draw us together. And unfortunately, the government and, and the, the sort of division that's occurring at the top is filtering throughout all of society. And all I see is Australia tearing itself apart. It's not even the mm. nation I remember growing up in. It's not the nation I remember signing up to serve, to protect. I'm pretty saddened by it, you know. I'm really saddened that we don't have strong leadership. This is an opportunity where the Chief of Defence Force should be standing up, getting in front of the cameras and providing that that guidance and that uh, leadership and that that unity to at the helm, you know, bring us back together. We're seeing none of that. We're just seeing, I'm just seeing weakness. And unfortunately, that weakness is being you know, um, rewarded. It's like you, you do a shit job and, and you get promoted for it. I'm, I'm really disappointed. Um, in, in I mean, where... It's interesting. It's sad that we're in that position, like you say, where so many veterans have also expressed that same reflection that you said, Andy, about, you know, I just no longer engage with it. I no longer rely on it. I just get on and, and do me and my family and my team of friends around me and um, focus on that. Whereas, I'm saddened by that because I just know how much more potential um, could come from, you know, putting all of that skills, knowledge and attributes into, you know, excelling and, and raising our nation to a higher level of performance. But I also just think perhaps it's a, a phase and a stage we need to go through. This week, we had the census results come out showing that there's over half a million uh, veterans uh, in our nation, thanks to the question that was on the census last year. And even just Literally today before this call, I spoke with a, an Afghan major general, an Afghan colonel, who were the heads of security for the presidential um, protective services when I took Julia Gillard over there. And they're in different countries still trying to get visas here to Australia or to the US, trying to get a response from the departments of foreign affairs or home affairs. While in the meantime, in the media, we have, it's great to see the Tamil family and the kids come home, uh, be allowed in Australia with the Tamil family and all these pictures. But Again, those that we have a moral obligation to that our servicemen and women fought with and supported over there are gone from the headlines. It's not uh, trending. Um, and it's so hard to sit here and just watch layer upon layer um, be passed down. And these decisions that seem to be good for media and public opinion purposes, but you know, perhaps we're the ones that are wrong. Perhaps this is you know, what the people want. Perhaps this is the way that our nation's going. I don't know. It's, very easy for us to be caught in our own sort of echo chamber. But as you said, Andy, it's becoming harder and harder and harder to identify with a lot of what you see around and these decisions being made. I think the veteran community has a, a particularly those that have served on operations, have a pretty unique perspective of Australia and the blessings that we have in this nation. They don't mm. take for granted the freedoms that we hold, the uh, opportunities that our children have and the access to great quality living that we have in Australia. Unfortunately, I think Australia as a as a society needs to suffer a whole lot more before it makes wise decisions to actually grow as a nation. And until that mm -hmm. suffering occurs to a level that is going to change the wider population's view, we're going to continue to make decisions to focus on areas of society that continue to divide us and, and drag us into more problems. But, you know, so be it. If we need to suffer as a nation to, to grow from it, bring on the suffering. All right, gentlemen, <laughs> good conversations. Catch you next time. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having us, Hester. See you, mate.
See you, Chris. See you, mate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to listen to more, you can find it on any of your streaming services. Simply look for Heston Russell Podcast. Otherwise, head to hestonrussell.com and select the podcast tab to listen to more episodes. You can also watch this podcast via my YouTube, Heston Russell. And always feel free to reach out to myself or any of the team by sending an email with your feedback to hello at hestonrussell.com. Otherwise, you can follow me on my social media, primarily Instagram at Heston Russell. Otherwise, thanks again for listening, and I'm looking forward to bringing you the next episode of the Heston Russell podcast.